Oh, I got killed off again. It's about the woman in Texas having an overdose, but um, she overdosed off some stupid drug. I didn't get to the end of it. Very unprofessional, I know. So I'm gonna have to do one more news story just to bore ya. Okay. Well, it's actually a very gruesome news story. Couple arrested after daughter dies in room where she was locked in for 15 years. This is a bit disturbing news. A couple in Japan have been arrested after their immaculated adult daughter was found dead in a windowless room where she had been apparently been locked for at at least 15 years. Ari Kakimoto. 33, weighed less than 20 kilograms, 42 pounds, about the average weight of a four-year-old when her body was discovered Saturday. Police said she had died from exposure to the cold. Yazuki Kakimoto, 55, Yukurai Kakimoto, 53, who live in Osaka, Osaka, in central Japan, kept their daughter in an unheated structure next to their house, according to the police. They have room made and fitted with surveillance cameras, an air conditioner and a toilet, and had kept their daughter locked up from the age of 16, her father told the police. Fucking evil twat. They fed her one meal a day and first her to drink water through a tube. Fucking easy, that, that, that's easy man. That is evil. Seriously, that is evil. The couple who were arrested Tuesday and remain in police custody, they were confined their child because she was mentally ill and violent. The official reason given for arrest abandoning a corpse under the law Osaka police have 23 days from the time of the arrest to decide whether to press charges. Press fucking charges! They fucking kill them, motherfuckers. Torture them for fucking 16 years, eh? So I'll fucking do. Put them in a fucking room. Put them on a hot fucking grill and stick them on for fucking 16 fucking years. And feed them fucking. Ice cold water temperature under 90 degrees. So they freeze the body for 16 years and feed them shit for 16 years and keep them on a grill for 16 years. A hot fucking grill. That's what needs to happen. This is outrageous. Kohe Yamoto. Yamoto the king of Japanese. Ah, Yamoto, ah. A social professor at Kyoto's Rishamekan University said the case showed the strong social stigma against the mental illness in Japan. Given the way the parents locked up their daughter and hid her illness, Yamoto, not after the uh, the uh, brother of the uh, Samurai Samurai Yashi Yamoto, uh, that I uh, did the book on the podcast said it showed they were also victims of Japanese society. Bullshit, you cunt. How are you victims, you motherfucker? 
can't undo your daughter, so why don't you just put her out and let her go somewhere else, like everyone else does? You can't handle a daughter at 16, then she's old enough to get the fuck out of the house and live her own life, ain't she? You don't lock her up. Oh, it's saying, Japanese society is good medical and community support system for the mentally disabled. Doesn't mean you don't justify doing that. Word to me, that does not justify him doing that. He warned there are maybe many more families who have the same kind of issues and problems as this family, but added this type of stigma is common in many other countries, not just Japan. That is fucking ill. This world is such an evil, fucking ill place. That makes me sick. There have been multiple reports in Japan of parents killing their mentally ill children when caring for them becomes too much. According to Japanese media reports in August, a 72-year-old mother killed her 49-year-old mentally ill son, while in May 2016, an 80-year-old one father suffocated his 47-year-old daughter and then killed himself in Kashiba Nara Prefecture. That is some sick crap. Um, all I say is that's fucked up. That's all I can say about that. Now let's get on to the audiobook. Now we're not covering Tupac's last year of his life. We're not. Because I did a um, a little podcast. Um, I thought I'd put it on this podcast. And um, it's gonna recording is one step one because I've already record. I was bored, so I, I read out a, a book uh, that you probably never heard about uh, Tupac about his first days before Digital Underground. So instead of going to his last de- detailing his last year of his life, I'm going to uh, do this story first and then do that on the next podcast just to bore you even more. Okay, so here we go. Let me get onto my, let's get onto my Kindle, it's not going to be long, so I'm not going to bore you, because i got to take my doggy out. Ah, get out of there. Right, on the road again, back on the public enemy tour. Oklahoma, where the sun sets lightly on the plane. And Tupac sat restlessly on the bus. Backstage on the Public Enemy tour, Tupac heard the rumor that somebody had broken into Public Enemy's dressing room. So, in an attempt to better bond with Public Enemy, Tupac leads the best leads the beatdowns. I said beatdown of an innocent man in a hotel lobby mob scene as a reward for leading attack on a defenseless. Soap salesman from Aburcoyata, New Mexico. Aburcoyacu. 
New Mexico. Tupac leads a, a beating on this, um, a group on this beating on this um, guy who thinks he broke into Public Enemy's dressing room. Tupac gets on a ride in Public Enemy's bus to the next state. There's Tupac on the stage rocking the Public Enemy tour. In a hat, still got his fade on. Earlier in the spring, we had been all over the country, and this is 1990, and we're coming back to a lot of these places. Oklahoma was a place where the people and police were not too friendly towards the idea of a rap show coming to their state. At the time, there were two outspoken menaces to white American society. One of them was NWA's N-I-G-G-A-Z with attitudes led by Easy Motherfucking E and the other public enemies led by Chuck D. The locals throughout the public enemy that public enemy was NWA Oklahoma was a good place for us not to be out socialising so we just hang out on the tour bus and kept to ourselves but it got to be difficult seeing on that bus that long without any bitches see Shaq G's looking pussy and Pac's on the stage rocking it living a life we were bored near to insanity, so when we finally got to do the show, there was a rumour that someone had broken into Public Enemy's dressing room and stole some shit. All sorts of rumours were going around, all sorts of foul shit. The police were going to shut down the show, but the biggest rumour was that someone had broken into Public Enemy's dressing room while they were on stage. The rumour was unlikely. Public Enemy travelled with their own security force, their S1W, the security of the first fucking world. Every, also every town Public Enemy went into, the fruit of Islam, security for the nation of Islam, oh fuck them, will show up and support them. Public Enemy was the last group in the world to have a security problem. However, Pac had been walking around acting very annoyed at the thought that somebody breaking into Public Enemy's dressing room saying, We gotta get them motherfuckers! Yeah! We gonna get that punk! We gotta have that! Yeah! When we got back to the hotel in Oklahoma, the hotel lobby was packed. A madhouse, you know, bitches! And news reporters and people are dying. It's crazy! The police are there! Unpack! And he's never ended needs a bond with another crew! Looked and pointed at some guy. We were more than 100% sure that this was not the guy who broke into the dressing room. But Pac just picked any motherfucker on the counter and said, That's motherfucking him! Let's beat this motherfucker! Let's beat this motherfucker! Tupac took her on himself to run over there and beat this defenseless hotel guest down. Pac knew that as soon as he started beating him down, we all run over and grabbed him to prevent him from killing this man. But by the time Chuck D and Public Enemy saw that Tupac was down for them, that might Pac rolled on the public enemy bus to the next show Tupac and Digital Underground gave a display to a crude sexuality at Chuck D's birthday party somewhere in the south Pac, Chuck G and Money B decided to lower their pants and compare their 
dick size and congregation in the middle of Chuck D's party and then the fruit of Islam entered the room like some twats with the local boys and girls youth group for an autograph session. The southern leg of the tour was real difficult. This comes from a guy who was with Pac. We are in this book. It was hot, it was crazy and the southern girls were so beautiful. The support we got from the fruit of Islam, I didn't know the grew through Islamic, being on public enemy tour was a real comfort to us all, we really felt like our backs were covered, backstage we were all into different things in preparation for this show, Money B, Pac, Shock G went back and forth and who had the most skills and who had the biggest dick, but I'll tell you what, Pac had the most bitches on his dick. That's for damn sure. Shock G gave his humpty nose and glasses on and they were sitting back with their dicks hanging out, looking at each other. The fruit of Islam looked in, looked at all that shit and nearly threw up and got the back out, saying this is inappropriate and against their religion. You fucking Islamic bastards. And Christians, fuck you as well. It was real crazy and real embarrassing because I don't know what those people think of us to this day. Sadly enough, I think the Nation of Islam people were coming back there to get autographs for the local youth group. But I don't give a fuck. I, I would have shot them motherfuckers just for being represented Islam. That's my comment. We want your autograph. And Pac and Money D turned around and said, well, I'll put these dicks in your motherfucking mouth. How about that? In New York, Tupac Digital Underground had dinner with a talent agent from William Morris Talent Agency and Money B was invited to an audition for the lead role in the movie Juice. Juice. The classic Juice. However, a tag along Tupac stole the part away from his friend and bandmate by hanging on director's shoulder while a nervous Money B blew the audition. Then Tupac stepped in and got the role that was from stretch trigger stretch was supposed to be that uh big up big up to bishop d nice bismarcky at sex packed record release party sound factory new york there's two shots um it was in the background with pack um ice cube there two pack there's a picture there uh, the sex packets um great uh first release for digital underground big album pack because it featured on uh pack's not featured on that album he's on the uh nothing but trouble soundtrack for the same song our big sold out new york showed our talents against carol lewis took us out to dealer at this real swank new york spot she was the agent for all hip-hop acts william morris agency and had a real cool lady she was real cool fondling all our nuts under the table and doing everything she needed to do to stay our agent well uh, mm. big things were happening and she mentions to all of that that a film was being done by a member of spike lee's crew ernest dickerson and there was real buzz about it she wanted to get us all over there for some auditions she thought money b would be a real good for the part mun went down there for the audition and like always pack tagged along for support 
the puck on the stage, getting a chance to rock the mic, knowing he's the best MC out there and will be the best MC ever, ever to touch the mic. On the set of the movie, the director and his crew gave directions to Bunny B, but Pac, after watching Money B stumble through it, came behind and said, Oh, you mean like this? And ran through it better than Money B did. Tupac was off the side, redoing Money B's part in front of the crew. So they saw him and said, Yo, that's it, kid. Who are you? Tupac Pac stole that role from Money B right then and there. Money B was asked to be in the movie because he had a little kid look. He was a young man, but he looked like a teenager. Pac literally went in there and with a squeaky wheel, once again, got the oil. The odd part was I don't think Money B even wanted Pac to go to the audition with him as Pac just tagged along as usual because he was just a, a background guy at the time. Mont and Pac were kind on battling back and forth in their freestyle raps for attention. Being on tour together can be sort of hectic and Pac was an annoying motherfucker. But he could be in one aggressive motherfucker as well. I'm pretty sure that Manny B didn't want Pac to go down there. But Pac knew what he wanted and what he wanted he got. The rest of the part of the film is history. The role in Juice... Tupac blew Tupac the fuck up playing the best hood character in the movie ever. Bishop, we got the Bishop.